What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I wanted to bring a message to you this morning that was touched on my heart in my recent experience as I have grown. And I'll start that message with a story. The Sadducees and the Pharisees confronted Christ when he was here and tried to trip him up in all manner of ways. And once Christ had put the Sadducees to rest and qualmed them down, quieted them down, the Pharisees came to him. And a lawyer of the Pharisees said, what is the great commandment? And Christ answered and said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in in quoting the first commandment, Christ actually quoted something of the Old Testament that can be found in Deuteronomy 6.5. But he added the second part, to love your neighbor as yourself. And there was a rich young ruler which came to Christ at one point in time and said, what do I have to do to be saved? And Christ said, well, what have you done? And the rich young ruler quoted all the things that he had done. Well, I have, you know, I haven't stolen and I've, I've honored my father and mother and I've, he quoted all the things that he had done. And Christ said, very well, you've done well. And it, and the Bible says that Christ loved him. He felt for this rich young ruler who was seeking truth. And he said, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away saddened because he had many possessions. And Christ turned to his disciples and said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And the eye of the needle is actually a gate in the old Jerusalem that if a camel was to go through it, it would have to get down on its knees and and sort of scooch through that opening. We are commanded to have no other gods before the one true God. And Christ, when he was here, said, if you love me, keep my commandments. When I was undergoing counseling, premarital counseling, Catherine, many of you know, of course, that I'm getting married shortly. Catherine wanted to to have premarital counseling. And so um, the pastor, one of the pastors who's going to be conducting our wedding, called me and said, I don't know you. And so tell me a little bit about yourself. And so I told him um, about, you know, my past. Um, I'm a graduate of PUC, 
and I've been raised by God-fearing, God-loving parents who loved each other and loved me. And as I went on to, to explain a little bit more about myself, he asked me a question, and I'd like to ask this of each of you today. And you don't have to say anything, but just in your minds, come up with an answer. What in the world means most to you? And I'll let you just take a moment and think of that. So if you come up with one word, one idea, one picture in your mind, what in the world means most to you? And so if you all have have that firmly pictured in your mind, and and to me, I I gave the answer, and it was the name of my beloved, Catherine. And he said something very poignant to me, which is, if your answer was not the name of Christ, then you are not worthy of her. Because he said, I've known her for over 10 years, and she is totally devoted to God. And he had to go to a meeting, and he said, I'll call you back. So he had prayed based on what, what I had, had uh, explained to him about my life. And when we got back on the phone together, he said, I've prayed about this, and I have, have some insights that I thought I'd share with you. He said, um, you have looked in your life for a companionship, um, <clears throat> for a life partner, and, um, and I have been engaged before in Kentucky, um, so this is not the first time I've, I've been engaged, and those relationships did not work out. He, he basically brought to the forefront the realization that I had been putting the person that I was seeking a relationship with in the place of God. And they had been an idol to me. So instead of um, seeking God first and foremost in my life, I had actually sought to love the person that I was in the relationship with most. And we are instructed to have no other gods before the one true God in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it's that still small voice of reckoning that we realize. Now, some people say that when Christ was on this earth, he was just a good man. And I, I would put to you today that Christ is either who he says he is, so he is the Son of God who came to save mankind, or else he's a mentally imbalanced liar, and there is no truth in him. There is no middle ground. And if we are convicted as followers of Christ of something by the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we have no choice other than to obey. There is no middle ground for us because we will either follow the God of the universe and what he says or else we will not. And if we are Christians and if we are devoted to Christ as the first and foremost in our lives, there is no middle ground. 
Obedience is our only option. When Christ was here, he told his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, are all about man's rejection of God and God seeking to woo man back into a relationship with him. That's the whole story of the scriptures. From the beginning of creation to Christ's crucifixion to beyond. And I went through my own experience, my own Saul to Paul experience. I had been raised as a Seventh-day Adventist, um, had had read the Bible more than once, had the benefit of Adventist education, 1 through 12, and four years of college, um, felt as if I was justified, um, you know, much like Saul did in terms, not I wasn't out persecuting the Christians, but I felt every day I could look in the mirror because I had done what I knew was right and lived according to a right way. Um, I knew I was saved by faith um, and that my salvation only came through the blood of Jesus Christ and my acceptance of his sacrifice. But I had not fallen on the rock and been broken. And so the word to me that I had put others in place of God, which, which I hadn't even thought of that, really came as an arrow to my heart and caused me to seek the Lord in prayer. I had to go through a time where the Lord had made changes in my life. I had, I had come to a point where I had said, okay, Lord, I am willing to live anywhere. Um, I've already had a career. I've already raised a family. And I need you to show me what you want me to do in service of you. So I was willing to give up possessions, give up place that I lived. Um, but what I was called to give up was my dream of a relationship with Catherine and Catherine herself. Um, and so if she was number one in my life and God was not, then the Holy Spirit convicted my heart that that needed to change. And so in prayer, I sought the Lord, prostate sobbing, asking him to help me give up that dream and give up the one that I'm in, lo in love with and put him first and foremost in my life. And I did that repeatedly. And finally, I came to the point where I said, Lord, I'm not able to do this. I need you to do this for me and through me. Amen. It's the only way that I can I can have this done. Amen. And so, and he did. I was able to surrender what I wanted most, the person that I love the most on this earth, and ask him to be first in my life. And once that was done, I said, okay, great, Lord, what's next? But it wasn't a one-time thing. 
<laughs> I had to do that repeatedly and ask him repeatedly to to help me give her up and help me make him first and foremost in my life. And that's the only way that that could be done. And it took about a week of concerted effort to surrender that to him. Much of what we experience in a marital relationship, a love relationship, is surrender. It's about putting the other person first. And only when we learn to put the other person first, trusting them to do the same for us, can we really have the right relationship that we want to have. God has already showed us that he puts us first. He who did not withhold his son, is he not also willing to give us all things? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, in the many ways in our lives, now, we don't have to worry about the second commandment. All of us are too sophisticated to um, hew idols out of wood and stone and set them up in our house to worship them. But do we in our lives have other things that we put in place of God as our first priority in life? And if we do, then for Christians, that needs to change. There is no middle ground. With this other commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The question came to Christ then, well then, you know, if we should love our neighbor, who is our neighbor? And that, of course, resulted in the story of the Good Samaritan. God has promised to give us another comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. And if we hear that conviction of that still small voice in our lives and we don't heed it, then we're rejecting God. And one rejection ends up becoming easier for another rejection. And eventually, then we end up not being followers of God. So... Greater man, greater love hath no man than he give up his life for a friend. God has always already showed us that we are his friends. I no longer call you servant, but friend. In addition to that, he has given us the power to be sons and daughters of God. Not only are we his friends, but we're sons and daughters of God and heirs to his kingdom. And that is our promise. None of this makes sense to the world. And it cannot. Because how can the world look at an infinite being who would do what God has done for us? They would, the world would say, well, when you created Adam, just, just tweak him a little bit to make him more allegiant to you than to Eve. Um, and they do not understand the mystery of salvation, that an infinite God who created us for love 
would become one of us and show us his character by being a suffering servant for all humanity, by healing their diseases, by ministering to them, by loving them. Christ, when he was on this earth, showed us that God is love. There is no doubt that God is love. The doubt that the world has is that any God would actually stoop to this <laughs> and that he wouldn't just wipe the slate clean and start over or that he wouldn't tweak, gap, tweak man in the, in the first place. But what God has given us is freedom of choice. And if we enter into a relationship with him, any relationship takes time. And it takes time to grow that relationship. I know when Catherine and I talked, even before we met, we had spent over 200 hours on the phone together. So before our first meeting, we had spent time, and we spent time consistently every day. Initially, it was three hours a day, and that went on for over two months. And some days it was six and seven hours on the weekends. So we spent a lot of time getting to know one another before we ever met. How much time do we spend with the creator of the universe and, and the person who gave his life for us? How important is he in our lives versus other things that are idols in our, in our lives that we put before him? Thou shalt, not, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We as Christians are called to a higher standard. And that standard, in part, is if you realize that you have something between you and your brother at the altar, then leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother. Um, we are called to forgive. Christians are the most forgiven people on the face of the earth. Everyone is equally forgiven, but we acknowledge that forgiveness from an all-forgiving, all-loving God. Freely ye have received, freely give. So as we have been given grace and forgiveness in abundance, so we are called upon to give that same grace and forgiveness to those we meet. Christ said, when asked, how many times shall I forgive? Seven times? His answer was, no, 70 times seven. You have been forgiven the greatest, you have been given the greatest gift that could ever be given. You have been forgiven more than you can imagine. Christ suffered the indignity as the ruler of the universe who came to show the love of God, the love of the Father, to his created beings who had rejected God in the first place. He made himself one of us so that we could relate to him. Because as a God represented in a tabernacle with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, the Israelites, when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, even wanted their faces hid from Moses let alone God. So God became one of us so that he could show us his love. And then he sacrificed himself for us. All of us have come short of the glory of God, sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God, God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. He has promised us the gift of life and eternal. The whole Bible is the story of God attempting to reconcile and reestablish a relationship with man. And what it takes on our part is to accept God's gift for us and to spend time with him on a daily basis and to respond when the Holy Spirit tells us to do things in our lives. If we are Christians, then, and we obey his commandments, then we will have no other gods before him. And I've often wondered what my life would be like if I obeyed the commandments that Christ put forth. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. How would all of our lives change if we followed that? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and cast ourselves upon your mercy and upon your love. Give us a clear and open mind, a listening heart to hear what the Spirit says to us when we know what that is. May we obey it as followers of you. May we love you supremely and serve our fellow man and spread the good news of your transforming power in our lives. Amen. In your name. Amen.